This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in Melbourne's CBD. Today's big question, what is wrong with the world? My guest today is Dr. Gillian Porter. Gillian has been working as a doctor for the past eight years and is currently a specialist GP in Melbourne's eastern suburbs. She has lived in Canberra, Adelaide and Melbourne and in her spare time has fun with her growing family and in her church community in the inner west of Melbourne. And she joins me now. Please welcome Dr. Gillian Porter. Gillian, welcome to Bigger Questions. Thanks for having me. That's great. Now, Gillian, you're a GP mm-hmm. and your initials are GP. Yes. <laughs> uh, was that deliberate? <laughs> well, no, I think it was just meant to be. My middle name actually also starts with a P, so uh, I've always been a GP and um, maybe it just somehow subconsciously guided my career choice. So anyway, to kick off Bigger Questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions. <laughs> we like to have a bit of fun on the show. Today we're talking with Gillian Porter about what is wrong with the world. So Gillian, our smaller questions to you today are how well do you know doctor songs? Now there's a surprising number of songs written about doctors. Um, do you sing doctor songs around your practice at all? No. <laughs> do you know many doctor songs? I think the closest I know is nursery rhymes, like I sing Miss Polly Has a Dolly every night to my son, but um, I'm not sure I know any proper doctor songs. Okay, well, (laughs) we'll find out how well you can guess uh, doctor songs. There's two questions, both multiple choice. Okay. In the 1979 hit song Doctor Doctor, Robert Palmer complained about having something wrong with him. He sang Doctor Doctor, give me the news. What was his problem? Was it A, I got a bad case of the flu? B, I got a bad case of a lump that grew. C, I got a bad rash and haven't a clue. Or D, I got a bad case of loving you. So which of those was his problem? It's a hard call. Yeah. The flu is pretty common. Yeah, that's right. And you'd write write songs about that as well, I'm sure. Exactly, that's (laughs) right. And rashes are very funny in songs, but I think I'm going to have to go for D. Yeah, and you're right. (laughs) Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, Have any patients sung that song to you? No. No. (laughs) Thank God for that. That's right, yeah. I suppose it might be a bit inappropriate given, you know, patient. patient. Did your husband sing that song to you at all? No. (laughs) No? Maybe he should. (laughs) I'll tell him. Question two. In the 1960s, the great Ray Charles sang, I don't need no doctor. Why did he not need a doctor? Was it A, because he knew better than what the doctor had to say? Was it B, because he never got sick, there was nothing wrong with him? Was it C, because his misery was caused by his lover being away for too long? Or was it D, because he had just finished studying medicine himself and would be able to diagnose any medical problems? So why did Ray Charles not need a doctor? Knowing that this is about a song, I think <laughs> that's probably C. And, and you are right. Yes, <laughs> Amazing. that's right. So, Gillian, in our smaller questions, you got two out of two smaller questions right. Please give Gillian a big round of applause. <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> <laughs> so, well done. Uh, now, Gillian, we're talking about what's wrong with the world. Now, as a GP, I assume that people generally come to you when something is wrong with their health. Yes, generally. um, Most, probably a few instances where people come because they um, want to check up, but that's very, very rare. In general, if they're sick, that's when they come. I mean, who really wants to go to a doctor when they're not sick? 
Yes, that's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, is, is, that, is it a bad experience, harrowing experience? Well, it? people seem to think it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what sort of things do you deal with or what sort of things do people come to talk to you about? Well, I guess people come and see me when they've got something wrong with them. So they've got some symptoms, they want, they're feeling sick, they want some medicine, they want some treatment, they want some expert advice. Yeah. Yeah. And so, th- and, um, uh, and so they're looking, yeah, looking for uh, someone to help fix them. Yeah, so what sort mm. of symptoms require attention? If someone came presenting, what would, you, what would be concerning for you? What's concerning? Well, the things that I'm always thinking about is, is this life-threatening? Uh, and how urgently do we need to do something about it? Everyone has different thresholds for coming to see me. Some people will come when they've just got the beginning of a sniffle or the first cough of a cold um, but like, some people like man flu like man flu yeah <laughs> um, some people um, wait until they're almost at death's door before they come and they don't even realize that um, have you had anyone not nearly on death's door come to you right yeah absolutely so um, a few weeks ago a man came and saw me and he um, he had some sore legs and he wanted me to help with his sore legs and when I looked at him he was fluorescent yellow and I asked him do you know that you're fluorescent yellow and he said, no, what are you talking about? But his skin was all yellow. And he, was, um, he had really severe liver disease and needed to go to hospital. So, um, yeah, he didn't realise that he was that sick. Um, he just came for his legs. But, um, but really the underlying thing was that he was really sick with liver disease. So, and yeah. you, you were able to help him? Yes, I was able to get him some help, do some tests and, um, and send him to the right people who could treat him in hospitals. Mm. So, yeah. so why do people need doctors then? Why do we need doctors? In, I guess um, because we're not all trained. We don't all know how to um, put together what the things they're experiencing uh, that's uh, wrong with us, as in working out what it is that's underlying it. And also we're looking for advice for treatment um, and really we want a cure, don't we? So um, why do you go to the doctor when you've had a cough for three weeks? You're sick of the cough, you go to the doctor for a cure. Um, people come and see me because they want um, me to work out what's going on and give them a treatment for it. Hmm. Yeah. Now, to go to the doctor requires you sort of admitting that something's wrong with you. Does that take some humility, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I think it takes humility because it means you don't necessarily know how to fix it yourself or you can't fix it yourself. I think we are pretty self-sufficient people and we like to be able to um, fix our own problems and keep ourselves healthy and strong and it takes a bit of humility to actually admit, no, I can't do this myself, I have to um, ask someone else to tell me what's wrong with me and, um, and what they think is the best thing to treat it with and, uh, and it means it's out of your control, so that's definitely But I mean everyone's going to get sick at some point, like is sure there's no shame in being sick? Of course not. <laughs> Of course, there's no shame in being sick, but I think um, we like to be in control of our lives, don't we? And um, we like to think that everything's going okay and that we have it all together. And to admit that something's wrong and that we can't do it, anything about it, actually, um, yeah, it means that we have to go and seek someone else's help and advice. And that's, yeah, can be difficult. So how do you convince someone that they're sick? It depends what's wrong with them. A lot of people sort of already know. They've already got the signs in front of them. So they've got a sniffle. They've got a, sniffle, they've got a cough like me at the moment. But uh, other people, you, you know, you can have illnesses that you don't even realise that's um, going on, like this man who was yellow or um, someone with high blood pressure, for example, they might not have any symptoms to say that they've got a problem underneath. Um, so how do I convince them? It's about demonstrating the evidence to them. So taking the blood pressure 
and showing them the numbers and telling them what's normal or um, taking the blood test and, and showing them, you know, here's some evidence that, um, that you're sick um, or, or even just um, pointing things out. Yeah, that um, you're sitting there and you're feeling short of breath but it's been like that for so long. Um, no, actually, that's something wrong. That's not normal, you know. And, um, and I think sometimes when we've lived with something for a while, we don't realise that it's not normal. And so um, it takes someone else looking from outside um, who perhaps might have, you know, a different frame to look at you with, like a doctor thinks about these things, um, to actually point it out. To diagnose yeah. that. And diagnose the problem, problem yeah. yeah. Now, you said that sometimes healthy people come to mm-hmm. talk to you, but should healthy people go and see the doctor? Well, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be a very good GP if I didn't say that. Um, Yeah, so we don't get, of course, not many healthy people come and see me. But I think the reality is that everybody gets something wrong with them or is at risk of something wrong uh, happening Mm -hmm. in the future. So as GPs, we have all sorts of screening and preventative health activities that we do to try and um, make sure that people are healthy or um, find things early so that we can treat them early, um, but then also... Um, try and prevent illnesses from coming on in the future. So, um, so should healthy people come and visit the doctor? Yes, because uh, often there is something. There's something which, even if you don't experience it now, you're at risk of getting sick because everybody gets sick and in some way. Sometimes there's underlying sickness that is there. Right. So that's why we do your blood yeah. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> now, so you're a GP. You're used to diagnosing what's wrong with people. But what about more broadly with the world? Is physical health the only problems that we have in the world, do you think? Oh, of course not. I mean, look around you. You only have to look at the news to see that there's things wrong with the world, don't you? Um, Our relationships break down. We make mistakes. We have psychological disease. We have um, loneliness and fear and um, disappointments. These things are not necessarily physical diseases, but, Mm. um, but they're, yeah, they're definitely there and they're real. And they're not necessarily things that a doctor can... Prescribe, you know, you don't get no. a panadol and a lie down to, to solve right. loneliness. <laughs> that's right. It's not going to help. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, it's alleged that the Times of London once sent out an inquiry to famous authors asking the question, what's wrong with the world today? English novelist G.K. Chesterton replied with the following letter. Dear sirs, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. Was Chesterton right that somehow that we are, we are the cause of the problems in the world? Look, I think it's, it's very easy to say, you know, outside the world there is all these problems or outside of myself in the world there's all these problems. Um, but when we look inside, I think we all have regrets, we all have guilt, we all have hurts. We've got times when we've disappointed people or hurt people or um, caused the problems in our own lives. Um, and so I, I don't think anyone escapes from that. Yeah. So, but, yeah. but I mean, is that a bit overly negative? Like to say that the, you know, everyone in the world somehow is a bit sick, like mm. not just physically? Well, I was thinking about um, how you say this. Like, I'm a doctor, I see sick people, so maybe my view is wrong. But um, I, think, uh, I think it's not to deny that there is good in people. It's not to deny that, um, that we do good things and that we can be helpful and loving and caring and think outside of ourselves. But I think everybody experiences and has done things that we regret and Mm. there's there's no getting away from that so I don't think it's overly negative I think it's just realistic (laughs) now as part of bigger questions we also reflect on the bible because surprisingly (laughs) to many 
It offers answers to the big questions of life. Now, but before we do that, we're interested to hear about why you believe the Bible is worth following. So, Gillian, what was it about an encounter with Jesus that convinced you to become a Christian believer? Yeah, I think uh, I've uh, encountered God since I could remember. Um, my, my parents and family love Jesus and uh, always taught me about God. And so I think in some ways it it wasn't like suddenly God came in and changed my life um, from not knowing him. But I think part of that growing up as a Christian means, means that you do know a lot about good and bad and morals. And, um, and I guess I consider myself, my parents might disagree, but quite a good person, a good child, good kid. I did my best to, to avoid getting into trouble and I would always... Um, run away if, they, if I thought, oh, I'm even getting close to getting into trouble in this situation. Um, but so you're a good, generally a, a kind of a good kid. A good kid. Yeah. I think so. Um, but I think uh, despite that, or even perhaps because of that, um, when something did go wrong or I was guilty of something, uh, I, um, I felt it. And I, I realised that um, no matter how good I, I was as a kid, there was always going to be things that... I did that were wrong and not just like little things but um but things which hurt other people and damaged other people mm. so um there was a particular time when you mm. hurt other people i'm going to share about that this is an opportunity <laughs> sure. to share that's right get it off your chest get it off your chest um i am a bit ashamed about it <laughs> as rob knows but um i think uh uh there was a time in primary school where all i wanted to do was fit in the crowd and um and to be i guess part of it myself and some friends we decided to um to start a club bit like the babysitter club you know um but um but our club was actually like around excluding other people and um the teachers and parents quickly found out and it all got dismantled and that's a good thing um but um I think the the reality of that is I you know I still feel really guilty about it um because uh in my striving to fit in I was actually excluding other people and how much does that hurt them and and hurt the people around me like and of course, there are things that I do every day which still hurt people, and um, and I can't avoid that. But I guess um, uh, it really struck me of how I, you know, no matter how much of a good kid I wanted to be, I I wasn't perfect. And mm-hmm. yeah. So what changed? Have, what changed? Um, I think uh, as I grew, I began to began to understand and seek that um, that God actually loves me unconditionally, and He uh, accepted me, and I didn't need to fit in with the crowd because um, I fit in with God and he, um, he can cover all of those things that I did wrong and I didn't need to be perfect um, because I couldn't be. No matter how good I was, I was still going to fail. So, um, but in God's eyes, uh, he loved me and um, he looked at me through Jesus' uh, perfect life and um, he accepted me just as I was. And so uh, in his family, and if I place my identity in his family, then not only could I fit in, but I, um, I could be free from that trying and that having to be good and, and perfect all the time, uh, which I couldn't be. So, um, so that was my purpose. Now, was that difficult? I mean, you, as a, someone studying medicine, obviously a high achiever, mm-hmm. uh, in some ways wanting to solve the world's problems or fix the world's problems, mm-hmm. but you couldn't actually fix yourself. Was that difficult? Right, yeah. I think... Um, I think you're right. As uh, in the medical profession, we're all pretty much perfectionists. Right. So we like to be perfect. We like to achieve things and um, and not fail. Yeah. Uh, and yes, it's hard to admit to yourself that um that you can't be perfect yourself. 
um, that even the deepest thing that you're trying to achieve and be perfect in, you can't do. So definitely humbling. But also um, in coming to God with that, it's freeing because um, I can't, while I can't achieve perfection in myself and in so many things, um, I can't achieve perfection, even if I fail my exams, which is a big thing in medicine. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, it doesn't shake who I am. My identity is in God. He sees me through Jesus who is perfect and he loves me no matter how imperfect I am, no matter how much of a failure I might have been. Um, he loves me and, um, and that's amazingly freeing. Mm. I, can, um, I can actually then strive to do my best and to do the great work that, you know, as, as well as I can and try and help the world and solve the world's problems. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. But, um, but I can try and do that free to know that, um, that when I fall short, um, because I probably will, it's okay. You're okay. Yeah. You, ha you are somebody in Christ. I'm somebody in Christ. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Today's big question is, what is wrong with the world? The Bible offers an answer to this big question, an answer which is perhaps somewhat uncomfortable. Indeed, chapter 2 of the Gospel of Mark, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have, describes a time when Jesus was having dinner with many tax collectors and sinners. Now, Gillian, are you surprised that Jesus, a powerful and respected religious leader, eats with sinners? I guess in some ways it's strange. Um, if Jesus was powerful and respected and religious leader, then, then you would think that he'd want to increase his power. He'd want to be around other respectable people. He'd want to make sure that he kept his... Um, grease, uh, grease the wheels. Grease the wheels, so, so, yeah. <laughs> kept his reputation. Um, but when you look at the life of Jesus, I'm not that surprised because Jesus did seem to go out of his way to, um, to seek out the downtrodden people and the marginalised people, and uh, he was compassionate and loving to everybody. So it doesn't entirely So it doesn't entirely surprise you. No. But the religious leaders were unimpressed yep. with Jesus eating with such people <laughs> and retorted, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, Gillian, as a doctor, what strikes you? with Jesus' response here? There's two things. Jesus came um, for the sick. So just like in general, um, as a doctor, you're there to care for sick people. Um, and, uh, and the other thing is it's not just about people who are sick, because as we've already talked about, everyone in some way is sick. But um, he's come out to seek, come to seek those who acknowledge that they're sick. So the righteous people he's talking about here, I think, in right, some way will have some sickness. Right, but they Some don't necessarily acknowledge things, it. But they don't acknowledge it. So, oh, okay, right, yeah. 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 So, who, who are the, so you've kind of alluded to it, but who are these sinners that Jesus has come to call? Well, in like, this passage, it's the people of dubious moral standing. It's <laughs> um, one way of putting it, I suppose. Indeed. <laughs> Probably the um, prostitutes and um, people who've done wrong things from society's point of view. Um, but I think um, who he's come to call is really everyone. He's actually trying to highlight to the religious leaders here that um, that in some way they too are uh, sinners themselves. Yeah. So why would Jesus draw a parallel between himself and a doctor? Well, people come to see me when they've got something wrong with them. And they're sick and they want help um, and they want some sort of treatment. And, um, and Jesus came as someone who was um, coming for the world who's morally broken, morally sick, and he offers a treatment. Mm. Um, and so it's a pretty, 
pretty neat. Well, parallel. the treatment he offers is a little bit different, perhaps, to what you offer. Right. So I don't fix people myself. I offer treatments. Uh, I offer medicines or surgeries or whatever it is. Um, or a lie down. Or a lie down. <laughs> Rest, <laughs> Rest. Fluids. Yeah. That's right. um, but um, what Jesus offers is himself. So he is the treatment. Yeah, so, so he's not yeah. just a doctor, but he's also he's the also treatment. The I mean, would that be something that would be attractive to you, perhaps, to if you could offer not just the treatment, but make it happen as well? Well, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you have a guarantee that um, that you can actually fix someone, like it's sometimes you, we throw medicines at people and um, and we hope that they work, um, and you know all the scientific evidence would suggest that they should, but um, but we can never guarantee it. But if we could offer something that is guaranteed to work, guaranteed to fix someone, then absolutely, that mm. would be great. Mm. Yeah. So do you think it requires humility to accept what Jesus says here? Yes. So just like it requires humility to accept that you might be sick and in need of an expert advice from a doctor, it requires humility to accept that you have your own failings within Absolutely. Um, Is that why some people don't want to take Jesus? Probably. I think, look, we, we teach each other that, you know, we are in control of our own lives and that we can fix ourselves and, um, and all we need to do is to, you know, get a bit more healthy or work a bit on this and work a bit of that. But to actually realise, accept that we're never going to reach perfection. We're never going to um, be perfect in ourselves or, or achieve um, perfection in ourselves. That takes humility. Uh, and it takes laying down our own um, lives or own self-perception and, and accepting the reality of who we are. Mm-hmm. Now, atheist speaker and writer Dan Barker said, we atheists don't need to go to the doctor. There isn't anything wrong with us. Now, Barker isn't speaking in a physical sense. He's mm-hmm. speaking in reaction to the idea of being painted as a sinner. He says that mm-hmm. sin is an imaginary disease invented to sell you an imaginary cure. Mm-hmm. How do you react to Barker's statements? It would be nice, wouldn't it, <laughs> if, um, if we didn't have anything wrong with us or we just, you know, it was, you know, we could be perfect or just making up the idea of sin. But I think, um, you know, as I've said, I can look back on my life and see things that I regret or ways that I've hurt people. And I think, um, I think everybody can. Um, and that's, you know, that's the sin, isn't it? Um, everyone has small or big things that we feel guilty about, we've, um, we regret. Well, your club. My little club. That's right. That's right. And I do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I realise that this is difficult for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think sin is real. Sin is there. Um, and it's just how we deal with that is the difference. Mm-hmm. So do you think he's a little bit naive, perhaps, to suggest that nothing's wrong with us? I think he's optimistic. <laughs> Probably naive, right. yes. Well, opt- optimistic is good. I mean, it's good yeah. to be optimistic, but there's also a sense in which we need to be realistic, do you think? Well, that's right. I think he's not being realistic. It's like, um, you know, like the smoker who will smoke and smoke and thinking that it's not going to do them any harm when we, we know that it will. Yes. So how do you react when a sick patient thinks they're fine and they say, like the song, I don't need no doctor? Um, I think it's frustrating uh, for me when people don't... Um, don't think that there's anything wrong, um, especially when you've shown them, you know, here's, here's the problem. Um, it's, it's not that um, we want to be, as doctors, you know, uh, arrogant and, you know, above other people and say, oh, look, here's all your problems, um, um, you need to fix them. Uh, it's actually just that we care. We, we want people, at, you know, in the medical profession, what we want is we want people to live healthy, thriving, happy, um, lives and to have a long life Um, and so if we see people who um, we can say look this is a problem you you can do something about it and you should do something about it and then they just ignore that 
um, it's very frustrating because uh, the answer's there in front of them and it might take work, uh, might take humility, but it's right there. And, um, and it's very frustrating if they don't take that up. They refuse it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, questions just come in, which I'll ask you. Does sure. Jesus deal with our regrets too? Absolutely. <laughs> I think um, we still regret things in Jesus, but Jesus, uh, in his death, he forgives all of our sins, past and present and future, and, um, and he covers over them. It doesn't um, mean that we don't regret them, but I think it means we're free from them. Now, Dan Barker also said, if salvation is the cure, then atheism is the prevention. Just don't get sick. Is it possible for a person to not get sick? <laughs> um, I think we've pretty much said no. Okay, yeah. yes. So what is then the solution? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, Jesus is the solution. Um, Jesus came into the world. He lived a perfect life. He, he died um, as a substitute uh, to take the punishment for our sins, our regrets, our failures, and he rose again. He sets us free from those. He forgives us from those, um, all those things, wipes, them, wipes the slate clean, and, um, and he gives us his spirit to help us um, to, to live uh, you know, more and more like him. Uh, he's the answer. Mm. Yeah. And is what he offers, this offer that Jesus brings, is that good news for you? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. Because, it, as you said, it liberates you? It liberates me. It frees me. I, I, um, I can strive to be the best at, at all things that I do in my life, but when I fall short, um, which I do and I will, I'm sure, it, you know, ongoing in different ways, um, Jesus covers that. Now, another question mm -hmm. has just come through. Do you get people who think they're sick but actually aren't? How do you react to that? <laughs> that is a really great question. I think that actually is a sign that they're sick in a different way. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yes, we do get patients who think that they're sick, but they're not. Um, and it's perhaps like the, the person who comes in with a virus but thinks that they've got pneumonia. Um, man, uh, man flu, perhaps. Man flu, great. Um, so yes, there's the answer. Um, and I think often that is a sign that, um, that perhaps what they... Their, their sickness then, or um, is the worry and, and concern over what it is that, um, uh, that's going on, and, and maybe we need to address that um, rather than mm. worrying about the cough. So there's still have. potentially an underlying sickness, but it just right. might be. That's it might your, be different to yeah. what they feel. And that's your job as a doctor exactly. to yeah. diagnose that. Yeah. So, Julian, mm -hmm. wrapping up, mm -hmm. our big question today what is wrong with the world? Mm -hmm. I'm a doctor. I can see that there is lots of physical sickness in the world. There's lots of things wrong with the world. The world is broken, um, but I think the, the world is broken not just in a, in a physical sense uh, in our bodies, but inside of us we have a moral sickness um, that we need healing from. Yeah. And there's a solution. And there is a solution, Jesus, yeah. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, what is wrong with the world? From Mark 2:17, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I look forward to you joining us next time for bigger questions. Please thank our guest today, Dr. Gillian Porter. Thanks for listening to Bigger Questions. If you want to be part of the live audience or subscribe to the podcast, go to biggerquestions.org.